All right, this episode of 15 Minutes of Star-Lord is brought to you by the Georgia Winery. As you guys know, I'm basically a functioning alcoholic. And, uh, you know, I like to drink wine every once in a while. And uh, I'm not fancy. I don't drink those dry reds and crisp whites and all that shit. Now, I like sweet wine, sweet Georgia wine. So uh, pretty much, so Jen and I are members of this wine club that sends us Wine from the Georgia winery every quarter. We get four bottles of wine and uh, they get here and they're pretty much gone within the week. All right. So if you're a fan of sweet wine, go ahead and check out Georgia winery and uh, they ship. They're located in Wrinkle, Georgia, and uh, they'll ship all over the U.S. So definitely go check that out. Also, remember Nogi Nation for all your Nogi needs. Wicked Warrior Coffee for your coffee and energy. And then... Episode three of the Hammercast, my uh, student Scott Weaver's podcast, is dropped now. So go ahead and check out the Hammercast as well. Thanks. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Josh, and we're uh, back with another episode of 15 Minutes with Star-Lord. So things may sound a little bit different today because I got a uh, studio condenser mic now, you know, moving up in the world. And I also got my dog in the room with me this time, and I'm hoping the condenser kind of takes away some of that noise. But if you hear some jingling or just like some... uh, scratching it's because she's in the room here and she's got nails and we are on tile in here so yeah um we're back did my weekend recap uh yesterday so i'm gonna answer a couple questions that i got from instagram um first off my buddy eric down in st croix sent me a question about uh basically how do you become a little bit more aggressive in your matches and how, because he has a style that he says when he grapples someone for the first time, it's normally not too great. And then the second or third time, it's always much better because he learns from, from, uh, from their reactions. And, you know, I, I have a similar style and the only difference is, I think I'm a little bit better at recognizing triggers and I have a systematic approach to my game and others, other people's games. So that, that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. And, uh, you know, this really translates to competition, especially if you're in like a single elimination tournament, which most of, most of the major tournaments are these days. Um, so, you know, I always, when I was competing, had a hard time in my first match because I'm a slow starter, you know, and my second and third matches were always so much better than my first. My first matches were always really rough and that was a little bit of mental. It was a little bit of, there was a lot of things into it. You know, I I never really warmed up well. So, I mean, as far as competition goes, I would definitely recommend getting a good warm up going before you compete. Um, Over the weekend when I was cornering Combs, we were in the back warming up and he warmed up hard. He was drenched in sweat. And, uh, he said he liked that. And I mean, I like that as well too, because for me, I used to kind of like do some mock matches before the event. I would kind of go somewhere, take one of my training partners and just start rolling hard. Like it was an actual match. So that way I get my first wind out. I start getting my, my good sweat going on. So I wouldn't really get hurt in the matches. And then it would also kind of get me in the right mindset because a lot, a lot of the times when you're competing, it's a different mindset. You know, you're obviously, I mean, we could talk about this all day. Um, Competing and training are real similar. You know, everything's the same. The only thing that's different is the environment you're in. 
and that that affects your mentality. So I mean, that right off the bat, getting a good warm up in, and then getting into the right mindset will definitely help. But as far as being someone who's more reactionary, that that's my game. You know, I don't like to force things anymore. I react to what you do, and a lot of that has to do with triggers. And I really learned about triggers. Actually, I was a white belt, and there was this brown belt at the time. His name's Dean Albrecht. He used to uh, manage some MMA guys. He's a business dude from Canada. He was a brown belt teaching the Nogi classes at my first gym I was training at, Wolfpack in Sarasota. And he was the first one that really spoke in form of triggers and reactions, you know. So he had a series from side control, and I still use it and remember it to this day, where you're in uh, Kesa Katame and you step over with your left leg, and what your partner does their reaction is the trigger to when you move on to next, you know, and just that basic concept from that one position really worked into multiple positions for me as I started getting better at jujitsu, you know, now I'm constantly waiting for triggers, you know, okay, somebody grabs my wrist from turtle. I'm going to go for my fat boy roll. If they post their hand, the triggers to then go into my fat man shoulder lock or come out and take the back, you know? So it's always action reaction and jujitsu is always almost a conversation, you know, and and that's kind of the way I, I view it. It's a conversation where somebody's asking you a question and you either have the answer or you don't. And if you do have the answer, it's your turn to ask the question, you know, and that's when we get into counters and counter punching and stuff like that. So that really helped me become a little bit more offensive, especially uh, now you look at my game, it's very lazy, but it wasn't always like that. And I used to waste it used to waste a lot of energy kind of forcing things into place. But once you can start building your game and looking for the reactions that lead to your submission. So, I mean, this is a really good uh, exercise to do with yourself. Say, okay, say your favorite submission is an armbar, okay? And you have a a position that you like. Say it's a neon belly armbar on the near side, okay? You got to think, okay, when I get this submission, what usually happens before that when I land it correctly and when I mess it up, what usually happens, okay? And then when we pinpoint what those triggers are that cause a successful or failed attempt, then we can start kind of analyzing, okay, this is the trigger that I need to provoke, okay? And again, provoke, not force. So... For me, if I'm going to try to set up a near side arm bar from neon belly, I'm going to go ahead and start adding some pressure on the neck, right? Because I want their arm to extend already and I want to slide into their armpit and lean forward before I fall back for the arm bar, all right? So my 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 method of provoking them is to, to put some pressure on their neck so that way they give me the trigger of their arm extending. Then... I slide up and I attack my submission. And that's just kind of a drill you can do from everywhere, okay? So, like, just go through your game, kind of think about what your A game is, your favorite sweeps, your favorite submissions, your favorite guard passing, back takes, all that fun stuff. And then start building a system around their reactions. And it's not going to happen overnight because, I mean, a good grappler is going to have more than one reaction to a certain submission. And maybe you as you grapple more and more people, you find reactions that you've never seen before. And that's almost exciting because that's the beauty of jujitsu and grappling and combat sports and all that stuff is no two people will grapple exactly the same. 
okay? They will always be little nuances that are different. And once you realize that and you start building those those triggers and those combinations and those pathways, then you start getting a little bit more offensive, especially against newer people because you're like, okay, well, now I know your reaction. I'm basically just going to paint you into a corner that you can't get out of. And that's where you get the whole, oh, it's like chess, right? We're trying to think multiple steps ahead, paint our, our opponent into a corner so that way they're forced to submit or checkmate in chess, you know? So that's kind of my thoughts on slow starting and how to kind of get better in that and use it as a, uh, kind of use your attributes and your personality to your benefit. And uh, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about today, and I made a note from one of the previous podcasts was fusion grappling. And I think we kind of talked about it a little bit, the fact that I really believe in what the Pancras guys used to say, as in, uh, we are hybrid wrestlers. Now, the first time I heard fusion was through Vlad Kulikov because he has Sambo Jiu-Jitsu fusion. And he came down, I think it was a purple belt at the time, taught a seminar. And he was really big on using his throws from Sambo into his Jiu-Jitsu, into his guard passing, his Kimuras, his leg locks and stuff like that. And that really opened up my mind. And I was always kind of like wrestling heavy, catch wrestling and jujitsu. And it kind of opened up my mind to, okay, all arts have something that is effective. Okay. There's no martial art that is completely ineffective. Even like Aikido and Wing Chun and all that stuff. You can take something out of there and translate it to jujitsu if you have the right mindset or just to your grappling in general. I say jujitsu is a broad term. Um, Again, we talk about how I don't like to identify as a jiu-jitsu guy or a catch guy or anything, but uh, more as a fusion guy. So the key is learning through kind of just applying it and grappling and testing it out. What works for you and what works for you may not work for everyone else. You know, it's not always, it's not always cut and dry. It's not black and white. Some body types lend itself to some styles and some don't. Anyways, we were talking about how different body types lend itself to different techniques. So, I mean, an ankle lock that I get from Sambo may not work for a tall, lanky guy. And they may go in there thinking, oh, well, everything in Sambo fucking sucks or everything in Judo sucks just because it doesn't work for me. Well, once you get a better understanding of the technique and your body type and what works for you and what doesn't work for you, you'll be able to pick and choose different things. So, like, for example... I do a lot of uh, swipe chokes from catch wrestling. I do a lot of far side wrist control. I use my kimuras differently. Um, I do more a double wrist lock tight in the armpit, kind of like a chicken wing. And a lot of my wrestling comes from that kind of style rather than straight up folk style, collegiate, freestyle, any of that stuff. It's more of a mesh. Um, whereas I get a lot of my throws from judo. You know, I throw... Uchimata and Hirai Gosha a fair amount because it leads into leg attacks. So that's something I do a lot. Uh, face cranks and kind of just the overall meanness of catch is added in my game. And then in training, a lot of my softer bottom position comes from jujitsu, you know. So picking and choosing what works best for me because all these grappling arts have a specific style a specific way of doing techniques. There's nothing that's new in this world, okay? It's always just rediscovered. And whether or not 
the way a certain martial art does it is right for you is completely dependent. But it's great to realize that there's multiple different styles that you can pull from and multiple different ways to do one maneuver, right? There's a million different ways to skin a cat, right? You've heard that saying, well, there's a million different ways to break a fucking arm, okay? So just because your jiu-jitsu coach or your catch coach or your wrestling coach or whatever you're listening to says this is the way doesn't mean it's the only way you can do it, you know? And I think that's one of the things I'm really good with with my students is I say, okay, this is how I do it. You may do it a little bit differently, okay? As long as these key concepts are correct, then the move will be correct. But if you fuck these up, most likely it won't work for you, right? And again, different personalities, different body types will have different modifiers into their game. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I was getting at with fusion grappling. Uh, really, I mean, I've been guilty of it in the past. I used to be someone who was like, no, that's never going to work. And now I really try not to say something will never work because it works for different people. Like my, uh, my buddy Aiden McKenzie over in Scotland, he's a brown belt and he used to do the Kyle Terra footlock. And I was always like, no, that'll never fucking work. You're just getting away with it because you're a giant and you're really strong and all this shit. Then obviously Kyle Terra goes out, taps a bunch of people with it. Fucking Craig Jones taps Boogie with it. And you start seeing it more and more. And I was like, all right, maybe there's something to this. And this was probably back when I was a brown belt. But um, in recent years, I've gotten a lot more open to different things, you know. And, I mean, my coach Bill's on like a big Aikido kick saying Aikido works if you know how to use everything else. And uh, now that I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu, like I'm never going to stop doing jiu-jitsu, you know. I'm never going to stop grappling and doing wrestling and all that fun stuff. But I am starting to think, you know what? there might be some merit to some of these other traditional martial arts. Maybe I'll start taking some karate, some Taekwondo and all that stuff. Just one to get my, to trick my body because after 10 years of grappling, your body's like, okay, we can do this all day. And it's not the same kind of workout. And two, I kind of want to work on that kind of dexterity and stuff that you get from the traditional martial arts. And three, the ability to defend yourself and be effective on the ground offensively really opens up your ability to kind of uh, get away with a lot of stand-up techniques that if you didn't have a good ground game, you wouldn't be able to get away with, like spinning hook kicks, jumping switch kicks, all that fun stuff. If you don't have a good ground game and you're going against a wrestler and he can take you down off one of those kicks, you're kind of fucked. But let's say I get high-level Taekwondo going along with my high-level ground skills, then I can start throwing these crazy kicks and combinations without fear of repercussions because I know if shit hits the fan and I'm on the ground, I'm going to submit them anyway. So I'm going to sweep them and get on top. So it gives me the freedom to kind of go out there and do what I want standing. And this works into your grappling as well. Like I tell people you have to start in bad positions a lot. And that, that was a, a big portion of my game and it still is. I constantly start in bad positions. I start like in the fetal positions probably like more times than I should just because I'm so confident in my grappling defense and my escape skills and my submissions from bad positions that I can do this, you know, and it lets you play some crazy shit. Like I can go through for an MNRI role pretty much any time 
because I'm really confident in my ability to defend whatever counter they have and get back to a, a dominant position from a shitty position. So just being able to be confident and well-rounded in your defense and just as a martial artist in general really opens you up to a lot more options. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I want to talk about today. So we'll just go ahead and call it quits there. Remember, guys, suck 1% less every day. Be a little bit less of a piece of shit every day. All right, take it easy.